Thank you guys for leading us this morning. You will go ahead and turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4. A message that I have uh, been given a little airtime to called the land of Nod. And uh, um, it was just a few weeks ago that I was reading my devotion in the book of Genesis. And I stumbled on this verse. And it kind of, uh, honestly, it spurred my heart and it touched my mind. And um, let's just, it's on the screen, 416. It's not going to be all that we read today, but this is what it says. Then Cain went out from the, pres- the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, I've been with you long enough for you to realize And you know that my mind don't work right. Thank you, Mark. My mind don't work right. When I read these, when I read these passages, sometimes it kind of, it kind of runs a little crazy. I read that about the land of Nod. Certainly, I've read it before, but it just kind of jumped out at me, and I'm thinking, I know where the land of Nod is. Now, I'm going to give you a first-person illustration. Before my mind ran, yesterday was, an, was a different day. Got up early and went and got my oil changed in my car, and I ate breakfast, and I, and I was driving back about um, 7.30, 7.45, office for a while. While I was at the office, Joe called me, and he, he and Tammy invited me, invited us over for dinner, and so we accepted, and, and so I worked for a little bit, and I went home. Normally on Saturdays, I'll do some kind of project or something if I'm not... Um, about the community with ministry, and, and but I didn't yesterday. I went and I sat on the end of my couch. The television came on. I reached over and I punched that little button that lets those feet go out. You know what I'm talking about? And I entered the land of Nod. Y'all got me? In fact, I, I was thinking about it. As I was thinking about the land of Nod, I'm, some of you about... Three or four minutes into my message every Sunday, you can find the land of Nod pretty quickly. Y'all with me? Don't, yes. Uh, I told the first hour, uh, since I've been broadcasting the land of Nod for a while, I've had a lot of comments. But Wednesday night, down this aisle, one of our deacons came. Now, I'm not going to tell you his name, but I will tell you his initials. It's Brock White. Is that He came down this aisle with a big smile on his face. He said, Brother Jerry... I know where the land of Nod is. And I said, you do, Brock. He said, it's about 15 minutes into your message each Sunday. I, I arrive at the land of Nod. So, all right. Y'all pray for that deacon, and we'll talk, about, we'll talk with him about that at the next deacon's meeting. I'm just teasing. Don't anybody think anything. But uh, uh, the land of Nod, I've had a lot of fun with it. But I want to say this to you. After I had re- read, reread, and studied this verse, it caught my attention, and I believe this morning you will discover that there is a message here. It is a message that is very personal. <clears throat> it's a message that's very serious, and it's a message that is spiritual. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to remind you of the context of the verses that we're going to read, and then as you see on the screen, we're going to read verses 9 through 16 together and then unpack it to see what God has to say to us. So in the matter of context, for those who don't know what a context is, that's the background. How did we get here? 
chapter 4 opens with Adam and Eve having two sons. And uh, uh, we're talking about it at the hospital the other night. Is that, can you imagine, ladies, being Eve, going through the first pregnancy, going through the first delivery? I mean, that's why she says she had a boy child with help from the Lord. She knew she needed help from the Lord to have that boy. But she, they had two kids. Cain was the oldest. Abel was the youngest. <clears throat> Cain, and now you know this, because they came out of the Garden of Eden, you know that by trade, even after the sin, the trade that they had was they, had, they farmed. That's what Adam was given to do in the Garden. They sinned. They got kicked out of the Garden. And so... They're out east of Eden. They can still see probably that flaming sword, on that angel, guarding that eastern gate, and they're out here farming. Cain is taking care of the agri part of, agriculture part of the farm. He's the one raising the beans, the peas, and the corn, and the fruits, and the vegetables. Oh, he he's the one that did that. Abel, on the other side of the coin, he was raising the livestock. Now, I didn't tell you this, but in this background, there's a lot of lessons for us to learn before we ever get into the message. And here's one of them. Cain's doing the agricultural part. Abel is doing the livestock. Here's what I'm going to tell you, what you already know, men and women. To have a successful farm, you need both of those skills. It's not a matter that one was better than the other. It's a matter that they were just different. And God makes things Different men and women, come on, could I get a smile about how different men and women are? It's not that one's better than the other, it's that two of given different skills, different assignments in life. These two guys were given different assignments in life, which they mastered and knew well. Well, then the time came for them to worship God, Creator God, Jehovah God. The God that the family knew all too well. It was the God that had literally created mom and dad. It, it, was, it was the God who, who they used to walk with. Think about this. Walk physically with in the cool of the day in the garden. It was the God who put them in the garden in that world with just one rule. It is the God whom they disobeyed when they ate the one tree that they were not supposed to eat. It is the God who then banished them from the garden and put the flaming sword, the angel with the flaming sword, guarding the eastern gate. But it is also the God who had killed animals. The first blood sacrifice killed animals to cover their disobedience, to cover their sin, and wrapped them in those skins as a way of covering what they had done. It is the God who even in that moment of discipline, of banishment, it is the God that promised them there's going to be a way for mankind to be restored. There's going to be one that comes and crushes the head of that serpent, Satan. There's going to be one that comes to die for our sins. The time had come for worship, to worship that God. The requirement had already been set when God killed those animals to cover the sin of parents. 
the, t- the time for worship, the time for what you bring was already out there. And the truth is the requirement for worship. Now listen, here's another thing to learn. The requirement for worship was to bring an acceptable offering. Wednesday night I told the group, and I'll tell you again today, it's a mistake to come to public worship, to come to corporate worship for what you can get out of it. You see, all through the Bible, when people came to worship, they didn't come for what they got. They came with what they were going to give. They brought sheep. They brought goats. They brought birds. They brought all kind of things. But if they didn't have anything to bring to give to God, they didn't come. And I'll just pause here to say, in the 21st century American church, we hear people go, well, I'm not going back. I didn't get anything out of it. I don't being mean, but here's what I'm going to say to you. What did you put into it? Because you see, when we come to worship him, we come to get, we come, we don't bring animals. We don't bring a birth of any blood sacrifice because Jesus has now paid the price on Calvary's cross for our sins. But we do bring ourselves. We do bring our hearts. We do bring the best we can to him. And that's the way we gain the favor of God. And if we don't do that, please listen. Let it burn in your mind. You may not like it. Facts have no feelings. But if we come for anything to give him our best, it's, a, it's self-worship. Self-worship. The brothers came. Cain, let's start with Abel. Abel knew what God wanted, what God expected, what God required killed the animals, the blood sacrifice, and he brought them the sacrifice. Cain, on the other hand, he knew. He had to know. He was in that family. But he brought to God what he wanted to give God instead of what God required. He brought, he brought his fruits and his vegetables. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not what God asked for. I've read, uh, this week I've read over 50 translations, transliterations and the like to this, on this subject. And it says that when Cain brought the offering, it said God had no regard for that offering, had no respect for that offering, and did not look favorably on that offering. time permitted, I could go all the way through the Bible and shock a lot of us. Here's something to, to, you can just plant your feet on. God is not required to accept what we bring. You see, when you look at biblical worship all through Scripture, you discover that God kind of gets put out when his people start wanting to give him what they want him to have. Case in point, I could go to a lot of places. You can go to the first chapter of Malachi where God through Malachi was admonishing the priest, rebuking the priest for what they were bringing, these offerings that were not good enough for God. He said, why don't you try giving that to the governor and see what he does? 
And then he says, this is what God says, I just wish somebody would lock the doors and stop this mess. You see, it's a serious thing to God when we don't offer him what he wants, what he desires, what he requires. Like so many people, even today, maybe Cain thought he could change God's mind. Maybe he thought he could just bring what he wanted to give. But what happened in the context of the story is that when he brought what he wanted and it didn't please God, it made him angry. Now, he didn't get angry and start cursing God. He got angry and killed his brother. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 9. If you can and will, would you stand to honor the reading of God's word? Genesis 4, we'll read verses 9 through 16. Cain has just attacked and killed Abel. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know. Am I I my brother's guardian or keeper? Then he, God, said, What have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed. Alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood you have shed. If you work the ground... It will never again give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on this earth. But Cain answered the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Since you are banishing me today from the face of the earth, and I must hide from your presence and become a Restless wanderer on earth, whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, in that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then. Cain went out from the presence, from the Lord's presence, and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and how it speaks to our heart, how it informs us about how you deal with man. I pray that today, in the moments that remain, I pray that your spirit will come in and that you will impact our hearts in such a way that we will respond to you and that we will never choose to live in the land of Nod. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I know I've made a lot about the land of Nod, but it kind of struck me funny, interesting, and serious all at the same time. I have read this verse, I've reread it, I've read the chapter, and, and it, there's some, a lot of things jumped out at me that I'd like to share with you today, but for the sake of time, I, I just want to share with you three words that I kind of lifted out of those verses, and you know me, it always has to start with the same letter so I can remember it, okay? 
And so the first thing I want you to see about this land of Nod is location. Location. The truth is, is that this verse says he went to the land of Nod. Now, where in the world geographically is that land? Honestly, we cannot pinpoint it on on a, uh, a map. We don't know. I think that's by divine design, and I'll get to that in a second. But what we do know is that Nod was east of Eden. Now, you already remember that when Adam and Eve sinned, they went out east of Eden, and the and the sword was guarding that eastern gate, and that's where they lived. That's where they resided. Theologians believe that when Cain went out, he went further east than mom and dad had settled. So what that tells us is a couple of things. First of all, the land of Nod, the land east of Eden, is the land of sinners. It's where sinners go. And and the second thing we know is that wherever Nod was out east of where Adam and Eve had settled, it was further from the Lord's presence than they lived. Obviously, Nod was the land for sinners. It was the land of sinners. It was far from the garden spot that God had designed for his people, far from the presence of God, far from the blessings of God. Nod was the place for people. Nod was the place for people who had decided that they would live their lives on their own terms, that they would make up their own rules, that they they would do things their own way. It almost sounds like a 21st century American. Have Have you ever lived in the land of Nod? Have you ever committed that sin that drove you to the land of Nod? Folks, I believe the reason that we don't know the geographic, the geographical location of that actual land of Nod is because it's a place in our heart long before it's a place on a map. I dare say some have sinned. Some in this room have sinned and went out from the presence of the Lord, the daily manifest presence from the Lord. And like Cain, have no real intention of ever returning. Don't really want to get back to the garden. Don't really want to walk with God. Oh, I think he cramps my lifestyle. I think he cramps what I want to do. I I think he's got... Too much that he won't let me do. For you see, those folks love their sin more than they love God. Not as the place in life where we, where we have chosen to do it our own way, to live by our own lives, to live out our prideful, disobedient, unfaithful, and sinful lifestyle. Not is the place that we find ourselves when we put other things in front of our relationship to God. 
Verse 16 tells us that it's east, that it's east of Eden. It's a place kind of of our own, place that we're lost in our sin. It's a place, honestly, that some call home. That brings us to our second word. That is the word living. Notice the scripture, that one verse doesn't say that he went out to the land of Nod and visited there. It says he went out and he lived in the land of Nod. Isn't it interesting that he chose to live there? That's something. He sinned to get there. Now he decided just to stay there. Chose to live there. And as best as I can tell from reading the scripture, there is no indication that he ever came back to the Lord. He ever repented he ever tried to make it right he just chose to live in his sin and it's interesting to note that god didn't banish him to the land of nod god put the punishment on him and he decided to leave he went out there and he set up a place where he could live he took a wife he had kids he built a city for, and he named that city after his first son. He couldn't farm anymore because God had taken that skill from him. And so he built a city and started what we call civilization. And civilization, the way it goes, continues to devolve. He named that first city after his firstborn son, Enoch. And Enoch, that city in Nod, place of sinners, it was a civilization that is thought to be the forerunner of the city that was built after the flood that we call Babel. It's the forerunner because we're trying to build, we're trying to live apart from God. Now, if you if you follow his living in life down, and you can go this afternoon, you can read chapter four on down. Because he never repented, this sin stayed in his family generationally. He paid a heavy price. His family paid a heavy price. You see, folks, when we choose to live our lives, daily lives, every day apart from the warm, loving embrace of God in the Spirit of God, we make decisions based on our own life and become the master of our own fate and our own life, it may not go well in the long Now, there might be a momentary, temporary satisfaction, but it won't last. Let me just give you the last word here. The last word is the word lostness. It's sad to say that when Cain lost his way, he never found his way back. He lost his way. He lost his connection. You look in verse 12 and you see that he's referred to, in my translation, as a restless wanderer. That was his, that was his sentence, a restless wanderer. Words like vagabond have been used. Words, words like fugitive have been used. The Hebrew, that picturesque language, literally paints this picture of something. Just shake your head and walk away. 
just shake you. Walk away. And you know, it's like I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but they won't listen. He won't listen. She won't listen. And I just leave them to their own. You know, the truth is, is that God had made a blood sacrifice for mom and dad. He made a promise to them. But he didn't offer that to Cain. Because Cain's heart was already gone. There's nothing any sadder than to picture one, picture lostness, if you will, of one who has intentionally walked away from God. You don't have to like this, but when we choose to abandon what God has called us to, we are walking away from God to our own land of Nod. You see, God has called us to walk with Him, not away from Him, not around Him, not in spite of Him. He's called us to walk with Him. And too many times we tend to want to let God take part in our life. Isn't He thrilled that He gets to take part in our life? No. He either comes in and takes over, or he don't come in at all. One of the real sad parts of, of what I do, of my calling, is how many times I see people make the conscious decision to become a restless wanderer and walk away to, to nod, to their own nod. You see, God's called us to be loving, more unloving. God called us to be faithful, unfaithful. God called us to do so many things, and when we're disobedient, we slip to our own nod. I'm guessing that God knew Cain's heart, just like he knows your heart. Just like he knows my heart. God didn't offer Cain to sacrifice. That should burn in our mind and should remind us of how much God hates sin and disobedience. The only compassion that God showed to Cain was he just agreed to not let somebody do to Cain what Cain had done to his brother, marked him. And this marked man went out to live in the land of Nod, to live in his sin, to live away from the presence of God, to live away from the blessings of God. Having read and studied this text, I just want to tell you one one of the convictions that I have. Cain made his choice. Just as surely as when people make their choice to walk away from a church, to walk away from ministry, 
to walk away from a mate. It doesn't matter. When we make that choice to walk away, we make the decision on our own. In Cain's, in Cain's uh, case, it seems that his anger, his resentment, oh, here we go, his pride and his bitterness were things that he just couldn't turn loose of to ask God for forgiveness. There is no record of forgiveness or repentance for Cain. And if you read about the family history only in chapter 4, you know what you discover? His family history just gets sadder and sadder and sadder. gets lost. You know why? Because lostness begets lostness begets lostness until the cycle is broken by our repentance and God's grace. You can go read that. You know what happened in, in Cain's family? His great, 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 I think it's three, it could be four, grandson Lamech broke all kind of, of God's laws because now the family's living in four generations in the land of Nod. God had said one man for one woman, and Lamech's the first one that had two wives. And then he bragged to those two wives that, that somebody had hurt him. Uh, if you look in, in the Hebrew, it's probably that the guy had whipped him with a whip. And so what did he do? He killed that guy and bragged about it. You see, lostness begots lostness begots lostness until the cycle is broken. When I read this story, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's for me, it's the first it's the first really chapter that tears you up because it's probably the first place that pride has run amok. Cain was too prideful to fall on his face, admit he was wrong before God, who prefers to love over judge before God and repent. And ask for forgiveness. Even though God had already spoken the redemption plan to the first couple, Cain either didn't want it or he didn't get it. The land of Nod. Today, that recovery, that to be restored from the land of Nod, that God's plan is it's apparent, it's evident, it's available. And it's in Jesus. Paul tells us in Galatians, he goes, at just the right time. Old translations say the fullness of time when time was full, for time was completed. At just the right time, God sent Jesus born of a woman, to redeem you and me from the land of Nod. Living in the land of Nod is to be living away from God's presence. And do you know what it takes to go to the land of Nod? It's very easy to get there. <laughs> you want directions? Let me give you directions. First of all, I'll just tell you the, the way is broad, the path is easy. It's unconfessed sin. It's getting comfortable 
living outside of the being obedient to God. It's, it's getting comfortable with being away from the presence of God. Uncon- you, don't have to, you don't have to commit physical murder. You can murder somebody with their tongue. We call it gossip. You, it can be your attitude. It can be your unfaithfulness to God. It can be any of a dozens, any of dozens of, of sins listed in the New Testament. If nothing else, what went on with Cain's got to remind us how much God hates sin. God hates sin so much that he allowed his son to be crucified on a bloody, rugged cross. Let me just close out by speaking to one sin. Just one of the of the many. And I'm going to choose pride. I think that's the unaddressed elephant in most rooms today. Cain was too prideful to kneel in worship to Jehovah and ask for forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, as much as I love you, I'm afraid we're too prideful to kneel in worship. It kind of bothers me that in this day and age in America that we're either, I'll give you a choice, we're too prideful and sophisticated or enlightened to kneel before the God who created us and then gave his all for us. It wasn't too long ago that I was just kind of slapped in the face with this. I was watching TV and there was a report on Muslims. Showed a whole room full of Muslims, guys. They took their prayer blanket and they stretched it out. They got on their knees and then they bowed their nose all the way to the earth in worship before Allah. You know what that you know what what went through my heart and mind? How committed they are to bow before a God that doesn't exist. And the people who have been brought from darkness to light, who have been retrieved from the land of Nod, from the place of lostness, are too proud, sophisticated, or enlightened to kneel before him. I've heard in my life, I will never kneel. I just love it. Now, ladies, I'll give you a little break here. This comes from men most of the time. I'm not going to kneel. I'm not going to raise my hands. And the Bible teaches us to kneel. Timothy teaches. He says, I want all men everywhere to lift their hands and to pray, lifting their hands without anger or argument. Hello? You see... Too often I am afraid, men and ladies alike, that we have sin hidden in our hearts that have taken us into the land of Nod, that we have chosen to hang on to, that we have set up a housekeeping there and and living there. That land of lostness, that land of wandering, that land of any wondering why God won't do something in our lives.
God placed a mark on, on Cain so he wouldn't be killed. But I want to say this to every person in this room. God wants to place a mark on your heart today. He wants to mark you with his presence. If you come to him in faith, if you repent of that sin, whatever it is. I'm not talking about repenting to me. I'm talking about repenting to him. The picture is this. You and I, like it or not, have messed up. Messed up. We've sinned. Jesus died for that sin. He rose from the dead to restore us to holy God and bring us back, literally, from the land of Nod. He offers us forgiveness for whatever sin keeps us in the land of Nod. He's the roadmap back to the garden. Luke 15. It's a story of lost things. Lost coin. Lost sheep. And they say a lost son. But I, I truly believe there are two lost sons in Luke 15. But here's what I want you to think about. That prodigal that went to the far country went to his own land of Nod. When he finally in the pig pen came to his senses and he started home, you know what the father was doing? The father was looking for his return. And when he saw the boy in the distance coming home, he ran to meet him. And here's what I want to say to you today. If you would take your step back toward the Heavenly Father from your personal land of Nod, asking for forgiveness with a repentant attitude. If you come back to him, here's what the truth is. He will run to meet you because he wants you to come home. Let's pray together.